You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan, broadcasting alongside Nathan Marzian, Bucks superfan. You can follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. And uh, as we record here on Tuesday evening, a very, very special guest. Of course, you know, I'm uh, from Valley Sports, Wisconsin, Bucks analyst. I like to call him Bucks legend, jersey, hanging in the rafters at Fiserv Forum. He is Marcus Johnson. Marcus, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. All right, Sparky, man. My pleasure as always. Uh, I, I guess first things first, uh, the reason we wanted to have you on, obviously we'll talk some Bucks basketball uh, as well, but there's been a lot of talk uh, and Steve Kerr bringing it up again uh, for the Golden State Warriors uh, about resting his guys and saying, you know, well, maybe if we go to 72 games, you know, we wouldn't have to rest guys on back-to-backs as much uh, and so forth. And yet you go back to your era into the 90s uh, after you uh, and guys weren't resting at, at the rate they're resting now. I've always been a big proponent of if you want to rest guys, rest them at home uh, where fans have all kinds of opportunities to see you throughout the year uh, versus road games. Many fans say that's you, you can't monitor that or you can't you know, really uh, do that necessarily. The Players Association would never t- uh, let you do that. Uh, what do you think of how players resting nowadays is being handled by the NBA? Wow, man, that's a tough one to get uh, to get started on. You know, what happened was that um, Kawhi Leonard, the year they won the championship, he rested with, I think, 22 games. He was coming back from a knee or some kind of uh, injury with the Raptors, and they did a great job of resting him. They were 17-5, and five, I think, of the 22 games that he missed, and then he was relatively fresh and was dominant all throughout the playoffs and to me was kind of the you know, MVP of, 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 of the playoffs and in, in, in terms of what he did. So I, I think that showed that there was some value in making sure that your main guys were fresh. I mean, there is a importance in the regular season, but let's face it. I mean, the playoffs of the time of the year that you want everybody to be healthy a hundred percent. So, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember the Lakers resting, uh, I think because of Magic or Byron Scott and somebody in the league fined them $50,000 because of the, uh, the tampering with the integrity of the game. I think there's a place for it, but I, I like some of your thoughts about it. I think there's a way that maybe you should do it that would be as fan-friendly as, as you possibly could make it. So from that perspective, but... I don't mind it. Like when I came in the league back in 1977, I think I played 80, 81 games or something my first year. And Brian Winters, a good, good, good uh, mentor of mine, 
with the Milwaukee Bucks, he's like, look, you know, you, you want to give them 72 to 75 games and you, you're playing 35 minutes a game. You know, you're trying to play all 82 at that, at that level, averaging 10 rebounds a game. You got to, you got to burn yourself out. And so there, there, there was even some thought is my point back in those days that sure. you needed to try and try some, some semblance of pacing yourself and uh, saving something for the postseason. Yeah, this is uh, this is Nathan Marzian, Marcus. I just want to say, first off, absolute honor to be talking to you. Not to make you feel old, but you are my dad's favorite player and someone who you know I've known in my life. I'm only 22, so I've known you as you know more of the the commentator, Marcus Johnson. I've obviously learned about you as a player um, and everything you did for the Bucks and everything. So um, it's an honor. But yeah, to go off of what you were saying, I mean, I know I know people were saying like you know they could maybe extend the regular season a couple weeks to eliminate back to backs or take away games and, um, you know, maybe shorten the season by 10 or 15 games or whatever, which obviously I don't think their NBA is going to do that for money reasons. They're going to kind of keep it at least 82 games. Um, but as you were, you know, get, getting to at the end there, it's like, I think they just realize, you know, the, the, the end of the year is going to be far more important than these games in December, January. And, um, you know, it, it's, you're playing the long game. You're not trying to win every single regular season game. Yeah. Usually, the Bucks in 2018, 19, you know, those couple years, it's like they kind of went all out in the regular season and it ended up not that that cost them in the playoffs necessarily, but it didn't work out. And then we saw them for the first time kind of in 2020, 2021, they kind of prioritize the long game. They prioritize, you know, making sure they're playing their best and healthy at the end of the year. And it goes in, they, you know, it wins you a title. And I mean, at the end of the day, yes, it can be frustrating from, you know, an entertainment standpoint and, you know, the Bucks hasn't, this hasn't been the most entertaining Bucks season so far for the regular season. It's, it's something that has been frustrating with, you know, having Giannis out, Chris out, and Drew's been out a little bit, other guys being injured. It's like, yes, it's going to be frustrating, but at the end of the day, you're going to remember a deep playoff run much more than you're going to remember these regular season games. And um, I'm, you know, I'm perfectly fine sacrificing some regular season entertainment for making sure these guys are ready down the road and um, ready for a playoff yeah. run. Well, a great point, Nathan, and, and that's the point that I'm trying to make is that with a guy like Giannis, for example, I mean, he hadn't played since, what, about three, two weeks, three weeks, two weeks, I think, January 11th, I think, before last night. And so he's got some knee soreness. And so on the face of it, it's like normally Giannis would probably play through the knee soreness and, and not miss uh, the amount of games that he missed over the last two weeks or just short of. But then what price is that exact on him physically come March or April? What's the point in trying to overstress that knee in January as opposed to allowing him to get a few extra days treatment, the things he needs to do to uh, get back close to, I won't even say 100%, but close to, closer to normal. Uh, and, and if you sacrifice some, some losses at this point in the season, so be it. And the fact that the Bucks have done that and are still uh, with 30 and 17 and four and a half behind the Celtics, I think a half game behind the Sixers for the two for the two slot in the East. So it's actually worked out perfectly for the Bucks. It's just in terms of how things have played out. You know, it's hard to really judge his Bucks team because Middleton hasn't been healthy. Giannis has been out, like you said. Drew Holiday uh, has been probably in the healthiest of the three, but he's missed some games too. Having said that, the trade deadline uh, is coming up uh, before we know it here, and there's all these trade rumors floating around about 
uh, what teams are looking for and who they want. You've watched this team all year. What type of player would you want to see them add? I'm not asking for a player name, but what type of player do you think yeah. they need right now? Well, I, I call it like uh, the purgatory of incompleteness. I mean, they've been stuck you know, all season long in this mode where they haven't been whole. They've been without Chris. It's for spots. I think Drew Smith, 11 games. Giannis, we just talked about. You know, I would say maybe looking to do something in that Serge Ibaka situation and bringing in a bigger body. But, uh, you know, I think you have to see what Chris kind of looks like over these next couple of weeks before the trade deadline and just see how healthy he's going to be, how he's going to hold up, how quickly he can kind of get that rhythm back. Now, we don't expect him to get the complete rhythm back, but if he appears to be like he's going to be able to finish the regular season without any more major issues, I'd be really reluctant to do something major. I mean, if you could bring in somebody like the Bucks did with P.J. Tucker in March of the championship year, and you kind of know who I'm talking about, then yeah. maybe that's something to look at. You know, uh, an energy guy, defensive guy, guy that doesn't need to be involved in the offense that much, a great catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter, on a kick out from Giannis, somebody like that's still available. Maybe you look at it uh, in a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. But right now, you know, I just want to see what this – they've done so well without Chris, without Drew, without the, without the big three plan, hardly at all. I think it was 69 minutes total ahead of them to the Piston game. I, you know, I just want to see what this, this thing looks like with uh, everybody back and, and getting healthy. Yeah, and that's – I mean, I've been always been asked like, you know, this season, oh, how concerned are you? And they lose some games that are frustrating. They go on a little bit of a, a skid and it's like people want to panic and people want to freak out. But I keep trying to have to tell everyone like, you know, just at least wait until Chris is back. I'm, I can't jump to any conclusions. I can't freak out until I see what this team looks like completely healthy. And, you know, I wanted to kind of get your take on how much the offensive struggles there. I think 23rd in offensive rating right now. And how much the struggles with, you know, not only just scoring, but, you know, the turnovers a little bit. And I know they've gone through their shooting woes, but they're getting hot lately. So um, that's been good to see. But how much of those struggles do you attribute to Chris being out? Because, again, some people I, I know there's kind of a divide of people that are like, you know, Chris coming back should help that and should be, you know, take it back to being a, a completely fine level. And there's other people I think that kind of think. You know, even when Chris comes back, this team is still not good enough offensively and they need to get more offensive pieces. I've kind of been in the camp that thinks Chris should, you know, they've proven that Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, like this core has, you know, is good enough offensively to win a title. And you can try to add another defender on top of that, like they did with PJ um, in 2021. And that has proven to be good enough yeah. to win a title. Um, just kind of curious how, how much you think Chris um, has impacted things, him being out. Major. I mean, even in a bad year, in a, in a year that's not his best, Chris is going to give you 18 points a game and, you know, five or six rebounds, five assists. And he is going to take so much of the pressure off of both Giannis and Drew, but in particular Giannis. Chris is the closer. Let's make no mistake about that. Chris is this team's closer. Giannis is a guy that gets you there. You know, Giannis gets you there, but in a tight game down the stretch, when you need someone who can create his own shot and has got that confidence in his jumper and clutch situations. And Chris's 
performances during the championship year against Atlanta, against Miami. I forgot who, who, who he, those big shots he hit. He will be a guy that, that takes up so much of the slack and a big reason why this team has struggled offensively is because of no Chris, even though they're number eight in offensive rating the last couple of weeks, I think according to cleaning the glass. So the offense, as you mentioned, is starting to pick up. Uh, but the other thing, too, for me is the play of Brooke Lopez. So Brooke is back, not only doing his defensive player of the year, conversation stuff that he's doing, protecting the pain, blocking shots. But Brooke is what averaging, last time I looked, it was almost like 15 points a game, 14 plus points a game, whatever it is, and shooting the three ball nicely. That's an added element that, you know, you can't lose sight of. And then Bobby Portis, the way he's playing right now. And so you put Chris back in that mix, everybody goes back to their more normal, natural roles. You don't expect as much from Grayson or, or Pat. You don't have to rely on Javon to, Javon to do anything other than what he does exceptionally well, knock down uh, the open jumper, play great defense. I just think Chris is, a, Chris is an all-star, you know, a multiple-time all-star and a proven closer in this league that I think this team has functioned admirably well without. But with him back, healthy, in rhythm, come February, March, whatever it is, I think with Drew's added confidence, the way he scored recently, the 30-plus point games, the, the behind-the-backboard shots, all the stuff he's been doing exceptionally well this season, you plug Chris into all that right now. And um, I think it's championship caliber, without question. I know you got a roll. I got, we took a bunch of questions from Twitter and Nathan Marzian's Twitter account. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. But one of them, as I was scrolling through, stood out. And I, it's a good question. They want to know when will the Bucks start selling the old school Marcus Johnson jersey in the pro shop? <laughs> yeah, that's a good I've had so many people, in, uh, especially my barber shop, uh, ask me the same question. I don't know, man. That's something I guess managers got to figure out. But I think the fact that, that there's these throwback jersey nights that the team is having and people are really embracing those uh, gives them a good opportunity to take advantage of it. You never thought you'd get your jersey hung. Uh, we got that done. And I'll help to get this jersey sold in the pro shop one way or the other. Uh, yeah, th this will happen, Marcus Johnson. Let's bring it back, man. Let's bring it back. This will have a follow him uh, on Twitter as well. Hey, Marcus, thanks so much for coming on, man. Enjoy watching you call the games. Uh, I'm Valley Sports Wisconsin. Have a good one, buddy. All right, Sam, you. Thank you. Take care. There he is, uh, Marcus Johnson, uh, joining us on Green and Growing. I, I always am fascinated anytime we have somebody out with Nathan Marzian because when he came on the phone and he heard his voice, Nathan smiled from ear to ear like, all right, we actually got him. This is going to be good. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so you said to Marcus that obviously, you know, you're younger, so you didn't get to see him play or whatever. So you kind of only know him as analyst Marcus Johnson. I want to see how old you really are. So do you remember Marcus Johnson, the analyst on Fox doing Pac-12 games back in the day, or was that before your time too? It was a little bit before my time. I, I vaguely remember it. You vaguely remember it. Okay. So you had, how much of McLaughlin did you have prior to Marcus Johnson? McLaughlin was, I mean, that was from basically my childhood, like until I was, because he was doing it consistently until what, 2015, 16, 17, around there? Somewhere in right? that area. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, that was, I mean, I was 16 years old at that time, kind of like that was me growing up. Every game was pretty much Paschke McLaughlin. And um, yeah, like that was, that's what I remember of like that. Those are the, the guys for me. Um, I, I want some other things I want to get into uh, as well here. Uh, and don't forget, Thursday, we're hoping to have Eric Name on the show. I'm not sure it'll just be a call. Uh, like this one was with Marcus Johnson, or if he'll join us uh, via video for the whole podcast one way or the other. But uh, looking like we'll get uh, Eric Name. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I don't know if uh, you saw this in the Rockets game uh, last night. I think it was, was it Jalen Green, uh, who looked, took, took six steps going across the center line uh, and traveled and so forth, and they didn't call it. Uh, I have had so many people in the last hmm, 10 years, maybe more than that, uh, who are pro college, hate the NBA. They don't, they don't really, you know, go by the rules of high school. They don't really go by the rules of college. Uh, they let so much slide one way or the other uh, in the NBA. You're obviously a big Marquette guy and college uh, hoops guy that goes to these games. Do you have a preference one way or the other between the NBA and the college game of, of which you prefer? Um, so are you talking about how it's officiated? Or are you talking about just, just the games? Overall? Yeah. Overall. Yep. You prefer uh, one over the other. So they're different. I mean, if I'm, I'd rather watch NBA just because it's such a higher level of basketball. Sure. But like, I mean, again, when you, when you watch a lot of college, like you're watching March madness and then you switch over to like, like after that, the NBA games that are on the shot making is just incredibly different. Like these yep. guys can hit everything in the NBA and, but there is something so interesting about the, the college games. They're, they're a little bit bigger. You know, they have fewer games, so each game's a little bit bigger. And the environments are louder, and it just seems like everyone's playing a little bit harder. Like, it's not – you know, I will say the NBA might be a little bit more boring at times, like in the regular season. But I don't know, just the, the level of play difference. I used to be more college, and I think I've kind of come around to, to NBA more and been – even NBA playoffs to me, I've started to like more than March Madness. As much as I love March Madness, I just – like the NBA playoffs, it's just such a high level of basketball that I just love it. I interviewed Ben Steele, the beat writer for uh, the Milwaukee Journal. So I covers uh, Marquette Golden Eagles. Uh, it'll be up at 1250 a.m. Thefan.com later this week. Uh, if you want to go uh, listen to that, I think it'll be up on Thursday. Uh, but we talked today because our next game is until Saturday. Uh, and I asked him, and I'm going to ask Marzian the same question. How many future NBA players do you think is on this Marquette roster right now uh, as we speak? Now, I'll tell you right now, he and I agreed on only two. We agreed on Iguodaro, uh, and we agreed on Prosper. And then after that, 
I had a third um, that he did not agree with. And then he had two that I really wasn't fully on board. One, because I really haven't seen him play that much because he hasn't played a ton. Um, and then the other, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he gets 20, 25 games, something like that in the NBA. Um, but I'm not necessarily sold on him having a long NBA career either. And I think anytime you talk about a Final Four team, not saying that they're going to be a Final Four team, like the Badgers, Decker and Kaminsky, right? They had a couple of NBA dudes on that team. The Final Four team for Marquette that just came back last week, Wade, Novak, Diener. Now again, Diener was in the NBA a ton of time, but he was there. He played. Novak played meaningful games uh, in the NBA. Wade, obviously a superstar. Um, and then, you know, you also have those guys that make tons of money playing overseas for 10, 12, 15 years, even though they're not in the NBA, still make millions of dollars like Sam Decker is doing right now, even though he's not in the NBA, he's trying to get himself back over here, but he's making a lot of money. You look at this Marquette team, how many NBA players do you think are on this team currently? And again, these are a lot of young guys uh, that you might see in the NBA one day. Um. No, now so you're talking NBA caliber players as in they can make an NBA team or they are going to yeah, be as in we'll team. see them play in an NBA game or two or longer than that, I guess, in the NBA at some point. So Oso and Omax or Oso Igdaro on and uh Olivia yep. Max's prosper, those those two are the definite like locks. Yeah. I mean, you can at least just because of their build and what they can do, you know, at their size, it's like that's what teams look for, that's what teams want. Yep. Um and it's funny because like I remember kind of earlier in this year, like my brother was kind of like, I was telling him about Omax and kind of, you know, he, he's like, Oh, he's not that good. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I mean, he has, I'm like, he, number one, he has been a lot better than you think. And number two, it's like just his build and just the fact that he can do these, you know, do things in spurts and have flashes and all that. Like, even if you're not super consistent in college, if you have the build, which is kind of the hardest thing to get, um, you know, you can, you can teach guys other stuff. Like that's, those are the things that are kind of unteachable is being, you know, six, eight, six, nine, and, um, chiseled and yeah. And being able to do those, you know, what those guys can do. And yep. oh, so his passing has been awesome. He can handle the ball at six, nine. Like that's the stuff that teams look for. So those guys for sure. Cam Jones, maybe just cause uh, he's, he's a, that was he's my third and Ben still disagreed on that one. So, okay, go ahead. Only cause he can score it. I mean, again, he's a little small Joplin has the size to and the scoring potential to be, you know, if he can, if he stays for a couple of three years or whatever, um, then I think he maybe could get on an NBA team or get some looks. That's it. That's right. That's probably it for me. Okay. You got neither one of Ben Steele's other two players that he thinks uh, will have an NBA future. So you'll have to go listen to that interview when it's up at 1250 am the Because if I give it to you, then I'm going to ruin everybody going to listen to my interview. So see, I'm always thinking and trying to get, get everybody to go listen to different interviews. Uh, so this is the thing. You, Nathan Marzian, even though you know I hate this stat, decided that you were going to tweet it out because so many people love this on-off stat uh, of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, to this point of the season. I saw you tweet it, and I was like, I'm not going to respond. I'm just going to save it for green and growing, and then we can have a conversation. So you tell me, what did we learn, or not we, what did you learn uh, from the on-off chart uh, that you tweeted out? What did you take away from that? What did we learn, Nathan Marzian? Educate good old Sparky. Well, first off, for the people that didn't maybe see it, I tweeted. I, I, this is the stuff I do in my free time. I love looking at these stats. I love looking yeah. at the, the recent stuff. So I went from January 1st on January 1st to now, which is January 24th. And you can look at the kind of difference between when players are on the court and when they're, they're off the court for the Bucks, how the team does in those situations, their offensive rating, how that changes, how their defensive rating changes, and how their net rating, which is combination of offensive and defensive rating, how it changes. So, 
Giannis has been the, the main reason I was doing it is like I want to see the Giannis on off stuff because it matters a little bit more for Giannis than everyone else because you could argue that you know Giannis has such a high usage he's involved in so much that yes like him that the impact he has can almost be like it can almost be to the team level you know whereas a guy like a, a Grayson Allen or you know these smaller guys if they have a bad plus minus or if the team is worse with them on the court, like that doesn't necessarily mean it's them. It can be, um, you know, Giannis was bad or, you know, if they're really good, it could just be Giannis took over. They didn't really do anything, but I usually look at it more for Giannis and kind of, okay, how's the team doing when Giannis is off? Are they still doing okay? Are they hanging in there? And you know, when he's on, how much value is he adding? It's been absurd the last, you know, since January 1st, they they're 27 points per 100 possessions better when Giannis is on the court compared to off. I think they're, outscoring teams by 16 points per 100 possessions and being outscored by 11. And that's um, also a smaller sample size because he's missed so many games. Yeah, but the fact that they're still, I mean, in 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 those, you know, in the 200-ish minutes he's had, they've been outscoring teams by a lot. Um, and then the large chunk that he's been out, they're being outscored by a lot. It's like, okay, it shows you the value he adds. The guys, the things that I took away from it, Pat was higher than I thought he would kind of be or he's he, it not, not that I thought he would be but his impact is being shown um and I think we've kind of seen that with the eye test and then Bobby and Javon both have been low they were among the lower guys on the list in terms of you know the team actually being better with them off the court compared to when they're on the court Bobby we know kind of hurts the defense when he's out there instead of Brooke and then Javon's offense has been you know bad lately and um so those two kind of jumped out at me but I, again I just like kind of seeing you know, Ingles has been helping our offense. It looks like when he's on the court, they're five points per 100 positions better, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And, yeah, I mean, I just – I like looking at that stuff. All right, good. I, I figure I'd give you the opportunity to showcase your knowledge and the on-off numbers and what it all means because not everybody looks at that stuff. So sometimes, you know, on this podcast, we're not going to be nerdy. I know there are a lot of podcasts yeah. that get real nerdy about stats and numbers and all that stuff. That's never been my deal. Like, if you listen to the post-game show, for all the years I did post-game shows – you know, it was real basic stuff. Uh, if you listen to the baseball post game show, Tim Allen and I for years uh, talking Brewers after Brewer games, again, still same basic uh, stuff. Because I think there's a lot of minutia um, that, yes, younger folks that are all into the numbers get and understand. But a lot of people don't and don't care to. And it doesn't matter to them one way or the other. So when you start talking about all these other things that they don't get, they just go cross that and go, okay, I no longer have any idea. Click. And you turn it off and then, you know, we, we lose that person from listening. So I try to avoid that. But the on off number is a pretty simple thing to understand. When they're on the floor, how good is the team? When they're off the floor, how good is the team? Simple stat. Everybody can understand that. And if you look in a box score, they have that plus minus thing that you see in a box score. If you never knew what that meant, that's that's essentially what it means. Yes, Nathan. Um. Oh, I just wanted to say that I am a, a huge nerd with the stats. So if anyone. Which is listen, good. Yeah, no, I know. If anyone listening does want to talk about that stuff, hit yeah. my DMs, whatever. I get into that stuff a ton. I do it with the NFL too. I like to get, you know, because everyone looks at just yards, touchdowns, interceptions. Are you still like, doing the know? Twitter spaces thing? Are you doing that still after Bucks games from time to time? Yeah, yeah. If I usually after like if there's a you know pretty big game or something crazy happens or whatever, like I'll or I have time, I'll go on um the Twitter spaces. And, How do people? Again, that's do kind that? of where I'll get into some of that stuff and just briefly touch on it. But yeah. How do people enter that if they want to uh, hear the wisdom of Nathan Marzion after a big Bucks game? It's just through my Twitter. It's I basically it's done through Twitter, and you can just I think it tweets out a little link, and then you just click it, and you're in the space. And then, and then you're in. 
Yeah, and you can even like go if you're on your phone, like you can exit the Twitter app and you'll still be in the space and you can kind of oh. listen as you listen as you scroll through stuff and listen as you go on your phone and do other stuff after the game. So yeah, um, kind of like a live podcast. Nice. Very good. Uh, okay, Nathan Marzian also. I like using Nathan Marzian's Twitter account for topics because it's easy and it's it's his thoughts. So let's use it. He put out a poll question that I did retweet. 21 people retweeted this. It was a good poll question. Preferred Grayson Allen trade, assuming it's only a two-team deal. Okay. Now, it could be a three-team deal. It's very likely that it could be. We've heard a lot of rumors speculating that it could be a three-team deal. Jay Crowder, Alec Burks, Reddish and Quickly from the Knicks, uh, Eric Gordon, uh, the rumor was like three second-round picks or something, some nonsense like that possibly uh, for him. Four. I don't know if Grayson would go on that deal, but Eric Gordon's another name that's being thrown out there. Half the NBA is in trade rumors right now. Let's just cut to the chase. 46% want Reddish and Quickly from the Knicks. 38% want Jay Crowder. 10% only uh, want Alec Burks. Uh, and 6% only want Eric Gordon. I'll be honest with you. If I was voting on this list, Eric Gordon would be my first get. That's who I'd want. So take these numbers. I, I would go Eric Gordon first. Then I'd probably go Jay Crowder second. Uh, and then I don't know, between Reddish and Quickly. I've never been an Alec Burks guy. I saw you tweet out you like Alec Burks. I I, I don't know. Since he's come into the league, I've never liked him. I just have nothing personal. Like I, It's not a, something that he says or does or nothing like that. I just don't like his game necessarily. Not a big fan. Um, but having said that, that, that's kind of where I would lean. Uh, for those that didn't see your tweet, uh, as far as this poll goes in what you would prefer, go ahead. So real quick to go through these options in the poll a little bit. So again, this is assuming it's only a, a two-team deal just for the sake of making the poll simple. You know, I'm not trying to overcomplicate it. Because obviously, like, the problem is people are like, I want to get this guy. Right. And it's like, well, yes, that player is better than that player, but that player is going to cost you. Like, it, you can't just compare them apples to apples. But if we are trying to... um you know, a, a Crowder deal might not have to involve Grayson, but if it did, you know, that again, that kind of changes things. Like, does that make you not want Crowder? Does that make you think it's not worth it? Because I think, you know, there, there's a chance that if they, if the Bucks waited out with the Suns and the Suns really are desperate to get him anything for him, the Bucks could maybe get him for, you know, their scraps. Their Give Wara, him Ibaka and a second and call it yeah, a day. Wara, Ibaka, a second, whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, that could be something they do. Burks would be more of a one for one thing. I think it, I like Alec Burks. I, I think, know you do. And he's struggled the last couple of games. He was terrible against us. I know, like, I get it. He's still going to have bad games. He's not some stud or anything. Like, just like Grayson, he's going to have games where he goes, yep. he was like one for eight last night, but he can handle the ball better than Grayson. He can, he's a better pick and roll player than Grayson. He's shooting 44% from three, which is even better than Grayson this year. Bigger as a defender. By the way, that is not going mean, to, that's never going to hold. I he's, went and I looked a, at his. He's a career thirty-nine percent three-point shooter. Right, exactly. I I went and looked at his numbers to see, okay, like the is this a career years, year for this dude? The last or, four years, 43, 40, 41, 30. Yeah. Like he's right there. I, I got a sneaking suspicion it's not going to hold. If it holds, then it would be a great addition. If he could shoot that through the playoffs at that clip, then it's a great addition. If he falls down to you know thirty-nine percent or something like that in 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 the playoffs, then you really didn't gain much. Thirty-nine is good. Thirty-nine percent is good. That's but it's elite. not 44. But at 39 is elite. That's an elite. Now, if he shoots 39% in the playoffs, nobody's complaining about that. Oh, but, man. I, I, I kind of want to get Alec Burks now just so Marziano and I could go back and forth about Alec Burks. Oh, okay, so Alec Burks would be your one then on that list? Yes, to me. And, and again, part of it is I think it also is a pretty realistic trade. I think 
Grayson fits better with Detroit's timeline. Like they'd rather have a younger player. Um, you could toss him a second or whatever the heck you need to do. But Burks to me is like a more playoff ready Grayson Allen. Like he can shoot just as good as Grayson is doing right now, but he's bigger on defense, which is our complaint about Grayson is like, he's he just can't small. Be possibly be any worse. Yeah. He's and well, Grayson's not even a bad defender. He's just small. And it's like, you guys can still just it's, score over him. They can bully him a little bit. And yeah. So Burks is bigger for defense. He's got a you know longer wingspan. He's just a bigger player. And then, you know, he can do a little bit more off the dribble, and he can be a, a pick-and-roll ball handler. And he's been one of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers this year in the entire NBA. And so that, to me, I'm like, like why would you not try to upgrade Grayson for that? Because he just he can he's given you the shooting, which is the main thing Grayson gives you is shooting, but he gives you, like, the other things you kind of need and you want from Grayson right now. He can give it to you a little bit. Um, so in a weird so I, way, they could actually get – Go back to what you said about Crowder. In a weird way, they could get two of these, right? I mean, I, I, obviously, went, you have right yeah. quickly together, but I'm just saying you could get Burks and Crowder possibly, or yeah. Gordon and Crowder. You could actually get two of the dudes in your poll with and be able to add two players to this team and really only sacrifice of the guys that are playing, really only Grayson Allen. Yeah, I put out, I made a trade that kind of did this where we gave like Ibaka, Wara, seconds to the Suns. Uh huh got Crowder and then you give Grace Allen and you know, maybe another second or whatever to the Pistons and you get Alec Burks. And to me, that's ideal. Like you're upgrading your offense, you're upgrading your defense. You're not, you know, you're not losing much. The Suns might do it because they're trying to get whatever they can for Crowder and they can get some seconds on top of that. The, again, the Pistons, I think would do it because um, you know, that they, they would rather probably have Grayson than Burks. Like, I don't know. They don't have a need for Burks at all. He doesn't fit their. He's 31. He doesn't fit their timeline you know, whatsoever. So um, that, that would be ideal to me. And then, yeah, the quickly and reddish. I don't like reddish unless you're getting him for like nothing. Like if you're getting a Baca for reddish, fine, Agreed. whatever. I mean, I'm he, with you. I guess has potential, but yep. um, he's proved, he has proven nothing. Like he has not proven to be a good NBA player. So I don't want to give up anything meaningful for him and quickly people like, but a couple things. One, he's a smaller, inefficient guard, which is not something I'm comfortable trading Grayson, who at least we know, like, he gives you the shooting and, you know, he's bigger. He's, I mean, he's not, he's not big, but he's bigger than quickly even. Sure. And so it's, it's like, unless I'm trading to me, if you're trading Grayson for quickly, that's getting different. It's not necessarily getting better. Um, Cause I think they both have flaws. They both have, you know, pretty big flaws that can easily get exposed and um, quickly has not shot the ball super well. So I just, it, it's hard for me to find his fit on either end. He could end up being better than, you know, end up being better. And I think, in a vacuum, like, yes, he's a better player than Grayson Allen, but I don't know necessarily how he fits on this team better than Grayson, just because, again, he's small and he's inefficient on offense. Don't love that, and you'd probably have to give up more to get him than you would for, like, an Alec Burks because um, he's younger and the Knicks, I guess, are a little bit more hesitant to move him. And so that package is a little bit more expensive, and I don't love it, as some people do. And then uh, Gordon, the problem with Eric Gordon is you're going to need to give up Grayson for him because his salary is a lot. So you're going to need to salary match. And, you know, that to me is not worth it. Like, I don't think, I don't know if Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon's going to help you more than Grayson Allen. So not that I have any huge problem with Gordon, but it's like, if that's their move at the deadline, I'll be very disappointed in that. So I would, in my order, I'd go Burks, then Crowder, then um, I guess the quickly thing, you know, if they really wanted to try to change things up and then Gordon, but Burks the and Crowder thing. are my ideal that I'm interested in is there really hasn't been a lot of talk about another center. 
you know, and as we've all talked about, Bobby Portis defensively is that backup five uh, is not really going to get the job done there. They chose not to use a Baca. They're going to move on from a Baca. Nobody's really talking about it, but I, I'm telling y'all there's a chance they're going to find another setter. Uh, I, it would not surprise me in the least. Now what they have to give up. I have no idea. Like Mobamba uh, in, in Orlando. Now that dude, again, can't stay healthy, just like the rest of that team, but can't stay healthy. And when he does play, he's not blocking shots at a high rate right now this season, at least not at this point. But somebody like that who, if they look at it and go, okay, young, little raw, but there's a future there possibly, especially if they look at Brooke Lopez and go, yeah, you know, this may be the end of the road, or if it's not, we're only going to give him another couple of years after this year as a part of a new deal. And we have to start getting ready for who that next five is going to be. Maybe they make a move to try and get a young five uh, that could come in and, and give them something behind Brooke Lopez because that's something they do need. Can they win without it? Probably because there's not a lot of great centers in the league anymore. But that that's something that I, I think they can get relatively cheap without having to give up a ton, I think, Nathan. Yeah, it, it's hard because I don't really know, you know, who they would try to get. As you said, Bamba is someone who... I've kind of been interested in and Miles Turner, but the, I, I don't know if you can get those guys without giving up Brooke. Like that's kind of always been the thing is like when I, in the off season, people wanted to trade Brooke for all these different, you know, people wanted to trade Brooke for like Terry Rozier. And I'm like, that's insane. The only guys I was like, I might do it because to me, if you're losing Brooke, you have to get something back that is close to Brooke or can be Brooke or can, right. you know, whatever. And not, and again, we're not, they're not trading Brooke Lopez. They are not this trading Brooke Lopez. Correct. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, they probably have to, if they're going to get one of these guys, the only guys that I've ever liked that could potentially be the next Brooke Lopez are like miles Turner and maybe Mobamba. If he can figure his, you know, if he can kind of, like you said, he's raw. If he can figure things out and really kind of reach his potential. Yes. He could be a really good shot blocker. He can stretch the floor. He can, you know, do some stuff offensively, but I just don't see how they do that. You know, anytime soon because Orlando's running out of space. They get space. They get Jonathan Isaac back now. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot who it was. Somebody that, that covers Orlando, I think tweeted out like they legitimately are going to have an issue with trying to get guys that they want to get minutes, minutes the rest of the way. Now that they're relatively healthy, they got a lot of good, right? Good younger players that they got to figure out what the future of this team is going to look like. Who's going to be that main rotation and roles for them. And that's why I think maybe Mobamba ends up, on the outside looking in and you're able to steal him at the deadline. And again, that's a, that's a dream. And like I said, he's not blocking shots at a high level, but in my opinion, having him around the rim is still better than having Bobby Portis around the rim as the backup five. Um, I, I mean, I've explored this as well. Are you like, and this is not us clamoring for them to trade Bobby Portis. No, but would, would adding, you, but would, well, I'm just, I'm asking you, would you be open to a Bobby Portis trade or no? No, because I'm, I, I am open to it. I'm it not. Has nothing to do with. It. it has nothing to do with on the court, Nathan. I think he's a glue yeah, guy yeah, for that team. That I think fair. he's that a glue guy. I, I do. I think he like Scott Williams was the glue guy for that that big three of Glenn Ray and Sam. They don't bring him back. They get Anthony Mason. Team goes kaboom. I don't think this team will go kaboom. But he is a big time chemistry guy. Look at the Brewers. Hater uh, Lorenzo Cade clubhouse kaboom. Uh, they can't have that happen now uh, by moving on from Bobby Portis. I. I I personally think that would be a mistake. It, it would be a gutsy move. You're open to it then? So, no, okay. So, and I, I'm again, stuttering I, now. Uh oh, I got him. Hold on. I, here's the thing I am open to it, but that does not mean I'm asking for it. That does not mean I'm like, I want them to trade Bobby. But here's the thing 
we talk about the, you know, we want a young big, we want a guy that can, but you know, you can't get that guy without giving up good players. And so right. if you're trying to get that player, like I love PJ Washington on the Hornets. He's been a guy for a long time. I've like, I want him on the bucks. We would probably have to give up Bobby Portis to do that. And I hate like, I hate giving up Bobby. I love what he gives you off the court. I love what he, even on the court sometimes, like, yes, the defense is bad, but he is a bucket offensively sometimes. And, um, the rebounds and the energy and all that. But it's like, if I can get PJ Washington, like I would do that. Like I would upgrade, like that just to me is a, a perfect guy to put there and, um, can play defense and, you know, still gives you offense. So like, to me, yes, I'm open to exploring trades if they can really, but to me, it would, it would have to be something that you get a really, like, I'm not just trying to trade by a Portis to, right. again, just to change things. I want to make sure if I'm trading him, cause he's a very good player. I want to make sure that you're making an upgrade. You're getting someone that you really, really, really like. Um, and there are guys out there for me like that. Like, again, when you talk about these backup bigs and these young guys, it's like, yes, I do like them, but you can't really talk about trading for them unless you're willing to give up a guy like Bobby or, cause you know, I don't think Grayson's doing that. I don't think second round picks are doing that. So that's, that to me is where it kind of is like, okay, are you willing to part with him or not? Bobby Portis. I didn't see that one coming to them when we started greeting girl with Marcus Johnson. Didn't see it. Would have been Everyone a good question it. for Marcus I'm Johnson. Sure. Would you be open to trading Bobby Portis? I'd love to hear what Marcus Johnson's response would have been to that question. That would have been good. He no, might have said yes. Maybe he would have said sure. I, I think a majority of people would say untouchables. Drew Holiday, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis. That would be a majority of people's untouchables you notice i did not say chris middleton because i don't think a majority of people would say he's an untouchable because so many people still want to get rid of him uh but those other guys i think to bucks fans are untouchables like no i'm not for it i'm not going to approve it the bobby portis thing now that's interesting you should do that for your poll question next well, here's the, would here's you the... be open to trading bobby portis at the deadline if so for who and li- make that the question and then on thursday uh, provided we get Eric name locked in from the athletic, we'll ask him the same question and see what he thinks about it. He may agree so, with you. Do, do not just do not paint me as a Bobby Portis hater. Cause, cause the I problem didn't is say that. No, I know. I know. But people right away do this. I put out a trade. I, I had made a trade in the trade machine and it was to get like PJ Washington and Kelly Urbury. I saw and, that. And then we, you know, we gave up Bobby in in the trade. Yep. Cause I'm like, He's like PJ is an upgrade over Bobby. Like, I don't think that's crazy to say. I I think, you know, he is. So, and of course I had it out there for like 10 minutes and people went berserk and, oh my God, you hate, but I'm like, I don't like, this isn't, I even said in the tweet when I tweeted, I'm like, I don't want to trade Bobby, but this is just an idea. Did you delete the tweet? Yes. You need to stop doing that. Stop. I do it a lot. I, stop, I do a lot. If, stop, stop, stop. If people, if people start taking it the wrong way, I'm not going to want it out there. Cause I'm like, it's not even, why am I, why do I have it out there to have people just take it the wrong way on purpose? Oh no, God. I'll just take it away. No, no, just leave it out there and let it go. It's going to generate conversation. It's going to go 5 million different ways. Let people, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't say Bobby Portis sucks. Bobby Portis should be cut. Bobby Portis is dogging it. You didn't say any of that stuff. You just put out a trade idea that you threw in a trade machine and said, here you go. Let people go with it wherever they want to go with it. Now, again, me, again, Alec Burks, not really a big fan. Kelly Oubre, not really a big fan. Never have been. P.J. Washington, yeah, okay. I, I like P.J. Washington. I'm good with P.J. Washington. But but that's just me. Just because you put out a, a proposed trade doesn't mean you're a bad guy because you put some player in there for the Bucks. You, you need to stop. Don't worry about what people say, man. 
Don't worry about that stuff. You can't let that stuff bother you. Man, if you're going to be a big-time talk radio host at some point, you got to let this stuff roll off your back and keep on moving, man. That's another reason you need to get yourself a girlfriend. And that way, you won't worry about this stuff. You'll be too busy dealing with her to worry about what the hell's on Twitter people are saying about you. I'm not I'm, I'm. not saying I can't. Oh, I don't want to take the heat. I take heat for all this stuff all the time. But I don't want to have it out there. Because, again, I'm trying to if, – if I can't get my point across, if I can't – if people take it the wrong way, let them. So to what? me, that's like, okay, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't come across the right way. Maybe I should just get rid of it because if, and then the problem is as soon as Bobby Portis goes off for 25 or 30 in a big sure. playoff game, They're gonna let it's going to be, you wanted to trade. I didn't want yes. to trade him. I may, I proposed a trade for him. I, it, it's, y'all are bullying Nathan Marzian on Twitter. Leave Nathan Marzian alone. The man's just trying to have some fun as a Bucks fan. Y'all are killing him. You come at me. I'm a grown man. I can handle this crap. Marzian over here apparently is not very well at dealing with this. So please quit bullying Nathan Marzian on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Follow him. He's a good follow. Very entertaining. Like I said, I, I mark a lot of his tweets. Be like, oh, this is good for the next Green and Growing podcast because he's all over it. it. It's good stuff. Uh, one last thing because we went extremely long. How real was that first game back with Middleton and Giannis and what that Bucks team looked like? Because, I mean, 150 points. You're not going to do that consistently. That to me, that was not real, but it was refreshing to see what this team can look like when clicking. Yeah, it it just again, it, I think it helped calm people down a little bit because they did. You expected them to win. You know, they're playing the Pistons. I'm not going to act like them being the Pistons is some crazy. Oh my God, this is you know this team is amazing, but it just kind of reminds people like, yeah, this team is good when this team when when they're together and when they're healthy. You know, not. Not every team can go, you know, be up by whatever the score was. I don't know. They were up by 30 or something at one point. Like, that's not easy to do against any team. And they were just clicking offensively. And, you know, Chris in his limited minutes looked pretty good. Like, he hit, a, hit some shots and looked honestly better than I thought he would be in his first game back. Um, Giannis was incredible early on. And then you had, you know, other guys stepping up a little bit. Um, they had a it, – it's fun to see, like, the lineups. They, it was only out there for a little bit, but when they had – you know, Drew Ingles, Chris, Giannis, Brooke. That's the like, one. Yeah. And it's like this, like, this is a good lineup. And it's just and that's nice why you don't need Grayson see. Allen. Yeah. And it's fine. It's nice to finally like see that stuff and just kind of um, you know, at least just see how they can play together and and start to start to get an idea of, okay, you know, and this is just the beginning. Like this is just the 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 start of these guys starting to, you know, click together again and get in the groove again. And it's like give it three, four months. You know this. I mean, why why should we be panicking again? You can try to make some upgrades and stuff, but it's like it's just a good reminder of they're still good. They're still. And by the way, good. all you people, and I'm using a Gary Ellerson line. All you people that that consistently tweet about Marjan Bochamp not playing. Stop, stop. We told you weeks ago on this podcast he's not going to play in the playoffs unless somebody gets hurt or multiple people get hurt. Probably multiple people have to get hurt. He's not going to play in the playoffs. They're going to slow play him. He's a rookie. When he gets his minutes, he gets them. Like, let's not freak out and worry. Oh, my God, Marshawn Bochamp didn't play the first half. What's wrong? Is he in the doghouse? Da, 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 da. Oh, just stop. Just They're going to play him at his, at his pace. Next year, you'll see more Marjan Bochamp, providing he improves and gets to the point that they want. There is no reason when you're a title team, Nathan Marzian, to have to push a first rounder who you took uh, you know near the end of the first round out there to force him to play there's no reason whatsoever you have the luxury of slow playing him for a year or two if you want before you really have to get anything out of him yeah i mean 
it it's something we've covered a lot on this and you know it obviously like yes i think it makes more sense at this point to play him over wara but at the end of the day neither one's playing in the playoffs correct so like like again yeah to me yes like i i do disagree with him playing wara over bochamp but i'm i i'm not going to freak out about it i'm not going to act like it's the biggest deal in the world because it's like all you know i, I want bochamp to get the experience it, it could it be showcasing make- wara to trade him that could be a John Horseman. Yeah. Hey, look, yeah. bud, I want to move this dude. He ain't going to be on the team anyhow. Can you play him a little bit? Hopefully he catches fire for a couple games, ups his value, and I can move him. That might This might be a deal coming from Horse. Yeah, and it's like, again, it, it like they're up by 30, and you're complaining at halftime about, oh, my God, war is, you know, killing us, and he, Bochamp, right. I'm like, who cares, you know? And then Bochamp comes in, and it's like he has that one dunk, and, I, oh, my God, he should have been playing the whole time. And it's like, he had one dunk. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> Whatever it it was nice dunking everything, but it's just like I don't know. And you look at how Bochamp's played lately. He hasn't played very well. He hasn't. Nope. You know, it's not like he's it's not like he's coming in there and lighting it up and like just taking over and you know been amazing. Like he's had some decent games this year, a couple of nice stretches, but like overall, it's not that been that good. And doesn't look like someone who you know again you can play it all going down the stretch of the season. So it's like. It, all you're complaining about is like they doesn't get experience essentially. Like it's not anything that's going to affect us this year. It's not anything that's going to help us this year. So it's just like what again? What do you why why I, I can see a couple of tweets about it. I can see a couple of just mentions of like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to have war over him. But it, to be freaking out about it and have this be like a main topic on Bucks Twitter just it, is. It came um, up in questions for Marcus Johnson. People that tweeted you asking about about Bo Champ not playing. Now again, yeah. we didn't have time. We'll eventually get Marcus Johnson back on where we have more time uh, to sit and chit chat with him because there's lots I want to talk to him about. There's lots and Nathan wants to talk to him about that he didn't get to uh, as well. Again, thanks to Marcus Johnson uh, for joining us earlier. Uh, again, Bucks analyst, Valley Sports, Wisconsin, Nathan Marzion. It was fun. Hopefully, we'll have Eric Name will record on Thursday. And uh, thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day, Nathan Marzion.